Our scripture reading this morning comes to us from the book of Psalms, number 85, verses 8 through 13. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for God will speak peace to God's people, to God's faithfulness, to those who turn to God in their hearts. Surely the salvation is at hand for those who fear God. And God's glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. Righteousness and peace will kiss each other. Faithfulness will spring up from the ground and righteousness will look down from the sky. The Lord will give what is good and our land will increase its yield. Righteousness will go before God. And make a path for our steps. This, friends, is the word of God for us, the people of God. When I first moved to New England some 40 years ago, I was shocked to hear good Christians calling everything wicked. Even clergy colleagues from Boston sometimes called things wicked. I understand that David Spollett was from Boston and knew this word as well, your beloved uh, former senior minister. That chowder there is wicked good. Did you see the Pats this past Sunday? It was a wicked good game. And I am wicked happy to be here at church this Sunday. My dad is from Boston, so this is an accent I know very, very well. Wicked, as it turns out, has been transformed over time from a word that used to mean sinister and evil into a complimentary term for cool, good, and even greatness here in New England. First Church, you know that you are wicked great, don't you? All New Englanders sort of know that they're wicked smart. I agree. It's a pretty wonderful place. Recently on their website, Meriden Webster decided to try and get more people to think about words and not just go for definitions. So they started kind of a blog article series it's kind of fun. It's called Wordplay, and it's a part of their website where they every week analyze a different word or give you a new history of words or etymologies. And recently there was a wonderful article, and I subscribed to this, called Seven Great Words for Great. In, in it, they unpacked the history of colloquial words that have come to mean somewhat unexpectedly great, good, or cool. They, of course, include in this article... New England's word wicked, but there are six other words they delve into as well. Swell, crackerjack, bofo, bully, sterling, and righteous or righteousness. That is so righteous. Or have any of you heard of the Righteous Brothers? Or the current show on Netflix, The Righteous Gemstones? Righteous is a word we hear a lot but we don't really remember what it means anymore as modern Christians. Do you think any of you could give a definition for righteousness this morning? It's in the Bible. We know it's something we should be or try and be, but we've kind of forgotten what it really means. Why would one want to be righteous? Does this mean anything relevant for Christians in 2023 anyway? Going back to Meriden Webster's article, they write, Righteous is an old word living a double life. 
a marker of moral goodness and uncover slang for excellent. The link between the historic righteous, which refers to an act according to divine will or moral law, and the slaying righteous meaning of excellent is clear. The morally right and vigorous are often considered to be excellent. But the path it took to gain a slang meaning is fascinating. According to our evidence, righteous did not start out as a surfer term in the 1980s, as many people assume. It gained its slang meaning sometime in the early part of the 20th century from the world of jazz musicians. The word righteous has come to mean genuine and honest as early as the 1500s. And jazz musicians in the 1930s, building on the earlier meaning of genuine or authentic and the connotation of uprightness, took righteousness to mean excellent or cool. As the first generation of hipsters came into their own, they borrowed plenty of slang from the jazz musicians, including righteous. Righteous entered what's called the Hepcat lexicon. According to the swinging world of the 1940s Hepcat, to be righteous was not just to be cool, but to be smooth, genuine, or the real deal, authentic. The slang meaning cooled off a bit in the 1950s and briefly popped up its head during the hippie days of the 1960s. And then righteous went dormant until Southern California surfers revived it in the 1980s and 1990s and used it objectively to refer to anything excellent, a righteous wave. They also used it interjectingly to strongly agree with a speaker. Righteous, dude. Don't you love words? They go dormant, they come back, they resurface, they mean different things. Today, both the genuine and excellent use of righteousness show up in informal settings and still very often in reference to music. Now, isn't that just wicked cool, First Church? Righteousness is an old word of religion, leaving, living a double life, a marker of moral goodness, and undercover slang for excellent, authentic, or being the real deal. To be righteous can both mean to be filled with the evidence and the manifestation of the presence of God in your life for others to witness. And in modern parlance, something hip, cool, genuine, and authentic. Now sadly, as we know, a lot of people who call themselves Christian, society at large rarely views our faithfulness and sense of God's presence as cool, authentic, and genuine. In short, Christianity and being religious is seen nowadays as the opposite of coolness. And we kind of let that happen over the years. That popular HBO series I mentioned, The Righteous Gemstones, is a show that features a dynasty of TV evangelists, a family that passes the TV evangelist business on from one to another, and they're very wealthy, and they have a lot of scandal and hypocrisy, and their last name is Gemstones, and of course, they are righteous. It's a little bit like you know the um, story of the 1980s and 1990s uh, TV evangelists. It's truly a harrowing criticism of Christianity and the money and power and self-righteousness 
that often those who use the word Christian engender. Further, in recent years, the dichotomy between living righteously and righteousness as being authentic and cool and righteous in terms of God's presence in our lives is further divided by the image of self-righteousness. Self-righteousness. Have you heard this term, to be self-righteous? It's actually an oxymoron. Righteousness, by its very definition, is something that comes from God and comes out of you through your joy in God's presence, but it cannot be done on purpose. It cannot be done with intention, and you cannot manifest self-righteousness. Self-righteousness, by its own definition, is a contradiction. The trend of people of faith being self-righteous or self-proclaiming and promoting their own righteousness and betterness of faith is troubling and contradicts the true meaning of righteousness as being the real deal. Righteousness is God, grace, goodness. Say it with me. God, grace, goodness. That emanates from your soul that other people can catch on to. And it's something that must be done without seeking recognition. For it comes from God and cannot be self-righteous. For too long now, I believe, linguistic, we have, we, linguistically, we have lost the narrative of Psalm 85. We've forgotten as Christians the deep and moving meaning of righteousness as a sign of God's love manifesting in our living. And further... As church, especially as mainline UCCers, we've abandoned the hope of being both righteous and living with righteousness at the same time. Meaning, being righteous, having God's presence, and being relevant to the communities we live in. Why can't we be both definitions of righteousness at the same time? Cool and interesting and dynamic and relevant for society and also emanating God's love. Why do we have to only pick one? Perhaps this is the call of the church in 2023. We must reclaim the depth of faithful living and sense of God's presence and maybe try and make worship and church and community worthy of being called righteous as well, authentic and genuine and great. Why not deep faithful living and coolness too? Our God is a God of goodness and righteousness and our God is also far out, wicked, sterling swell, and crackerjack righteousness. God is not boring. Perhaps, I argue this morning, this double life of the word righteousness means that righteousness can be radically cool and radically good. We don't have to pick only one. If we're, and if we're to live up to the call of Matthew's Great Commission to strive to make our communities places where people want to come and be curious and question and inquire, we must strive for both the authenticity and the coolness of greatness. It is not our calling as church to make the gospel as boring as possible so that nobody possibly would want to join us on the journey, right? Okay, just checking. Let me hear what the Lord God will speak. For God will speak peace to the people. Faithfulness to those who turn to God in their hearts. Surely God's salvation is at hand for those who fear God. 
and the glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. Righteousness and peace will kiss each other. Faithfulness will spring up from the ground and righteousness will look down from the sky. The Lord will give what is good and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before God and make a path for God's steps. In tradition of Christianity, historical Christianity, righteousness was a sign of God's presence in someone's life, traditionally through the salvation of Jesus. Martin Luther is one of the founders of Protestant or Reformed tradition. He's most well known to be the namesake of Lutheranism and for nailing his thesis to the door of a church. Anyone not here of Martin Luther? Okay, good. We're doing okay in confirmation then. A core tenet of Luther's theology was righteousness. This is a very core kind of Lutheran word. He was obsessed with this idea of righteousness as being the state of being and living for someone who was Christian. It meant transformation of self, evidenced and seen by others through your living and practice. Luther used the word righteousness to indicate a palpable presence of God's love in someone's life. If we have God's presence in our lives and are driven by that joy of authentic and whole living, we should be righteous both in the sense of the world and of God. Maybe it's time for us to reclaim this word. What kind of God presence do we need in order to thrive and make change in 2023 and beyond? I just uh, told Vanessa I'm starting a new job. But, by the way, I'm staying as preacher in residence as long as you have me in your pulpit. Thank you. But um, I'm starting a new job this next week as the associate director of alumni engagement and donor relations at Yale Divinity School. But before that, I was two years um, at the associate director of the Anti-Defamation League. With ADL, these past two years, I've been the frontline person for the calls of every time there's an incident of hate, bias, or extremism in the state of Connecticut. And I have seen many unspeakable truths on a daily basis around our state. And it's easy to get caught up in all of the hate propaganda and what's happening between students and the violence of words and actions. But for me, the place I have found hope is in the righteousness of communities, in the response to one piece of paper, one piece of propaganda left on a doorstep are 50 examples of communities, clergy, others, schools, principals, letters, groups, facilitations, thoughtful ways that these communities respond with love and manifestations of God's grace. Rather than focusing on the hate, I've gotten through these past two years by focusing on the righteousness of these 168 Connecticut communities, the love for neighbor, and the way we respond to the hate. That's what defines our state. Not the hate itself, but the way we respond with righteous abundance. Connecticut may very well be the land of steady habits, but it's also a place of deep righteousness, community, and manifestations of God's love. I look for the places where both definitions of righteousness meet, both the genuine and the excellent, in formal and informal settings. Righteousness is an old word living a double life. 
a marker of moral goodness and undercover slang for excellent. The link between the historical righteousness, which refers to acting according to divine and moral law, and the slang righteousness, meaning excellent, is clear. The morally right and virtuous are often considered to be excellent. Fairfield friends, we need to look for the places in our world where both meanings of righteousness meet. That's what we're called to do. Let us not give up on this deep and meaningful Christian theological word and concept of the pile of words we use without understanding their history or meaning or impact. Striving to be righteous both in terms that society understands as cool and interesting and dynamic and that God understands as manifestations of love should be our goal as church and Christians. We should be authentic and we should be relatable, approachable, and also marked by God's love and grace. You see, at its core, righteousness is different from the concept of grace and godliness and love because it's something that comes from us that we are unaware of. But it is when others see it and mark it, simply through our daily living, our response to pain, and our strength that righteousness abounds. Righteousness is the opposite of self-righteousness. In fact, self-righteousness by its own definition is impossible because it doesn't work that way. The correct response is to love and to care and to work every day to change in the face of hate and violence. And it doesn't need to be seen by ourselves. It is true and authentic living that makes us great, cool and even hip. In closing, Andra Day is a singer and an actress and an interesting person in general. Her song, Rise Up, we read some of the lyrics in our call to worship, and music video show one woman's day. Her husband has lost the ability to walk in this video, and she is simply living life, doing the errands, bringing him in their van, and living life together, confronting the world with grace and love. It is both musically righteous and also spiritually profound. I encourage you to look up on YouTube later the video for Rise Up with Andre Day. We see the woman in the video living life, her daily life, normally, but with courage and hope. She is strong, and she is humble, and she is authentic. She is righteous. This is the song I want to leave you with, with these lyrics as we close. You're broken down and tired of living life on a merry-go-round, and you can't find the fighter. But I see it in you, so we're going to walk it out and move mountains. We're going to walk it out and move mountains, and I'll rise up, I'll rise like the day, I'll rise up, I'll rise unafraid, I'll rise up, and I'll do it a thousand times again. And I'll rise up high like the waves, I'll rise up in spite of the ache. I'll rise up and I'll do it a thousand times again for you and for you and for you and for you. When the silence isn't quiet and it feels like it's getting hard to breathe and I know you feel like dying, but I promise we'll take the world to its feet and move mountains. Bring it to its feet and move mountains. We'll rise 
will rise up. Rise like the day will rise up. In spite of the ache, I'll rise a thousand times again. And we'll rise up, rise like the waves. We'll rise up in spite of the ache. We'll rise up and we'll do it a thousand times again. For you, for you, and for you. First Church, Fairfield. Let us be wicked righteous. Both for God and our neighbors. For deep spiritual living. And deeply authentic authentic manifestations of God's greatness for our neighbors as we rise together a thousand times again.